Robots Radio presents... Hey everybody, welcome into the podcast. We are back with another special bonus episode. Bonus episode. Today we are finally wrapping up season two with the finale of our bracket challenge. If you tuned in on Monday, then you listened to us go through the round of 32 and the Sweet 16. And now we're down to eight contenders that are all vying for the crown of... Uh, what would we even call it, Brad? Best movie of season two? Uh, yeah, I would say so. The the movie that didn't get thrown into the fiery pit of doom. Yeah, exactly. The way our bracket yeah. challenge works is is we have put all 32 movies from this season into a March Madness style bracket. We are pitting them head to head against each other. And our criteria for what moves from one round to the next is, does this movie deserve to move on? And the loser goes into the fiery furnace never to be seen again. So we take this very, very seriously, Bradley. Yeah, man, this this uh, bracket is a big deal, and the coin of fate has dealt me a raw deal uh, <laughs> this this season. So uh, I, you know, I figure we're just we're just here to cruise on through the rest of it. Absolutely. Yeah. When we are at odds with what movie to move on, we leave it to chance. We leave it to destiny. In fact, the coin of destiny. And at the at the end of the last episode, Brad flipped the coin of destiny and his favorite movie in this whole bracket, The Empire Strikes Back, was eliminated, thrown into the fiery chasm, never to be seen again. And that means that we are left with only eight films. Saving Private Ryan, When Harry Met Sally, The Sixth Sense, Django Unchained, Do the Right Thing, Birdman, The Dark Knight, and The Revenant. So Brad, before we get into knocking some movies off this list... Today, we're going to be sipping on some whiskeys from maybe our favorite distillery in the United States. Certainly, the distillery that first made us feel like we were legitimate whiskey connoisseurs. And that would be our friends down at Bardstown Bourbon Company. Yeah, Bob, Bardstown Bourbon Company is just... Um, it might be the greatest place on earth. They make some beautiful whiskeys. They have amazing food. The distillery tours are spectacular. Stephen Alley is one of the best master distillers out there. He He's a legend in the industry. They have so much going for them at Bardstown Bourbon Company. If you are ever on the bourbon trail in Kentucky, you have to stop by there. So if you listen to the podcast for a long time, last season we tried three of their whiskeys. We had the Fusion Series number one, the Discovery Series number one, and a special finished whiskey that they called Pfeiffer Pavit Reserve, which is, I think to this day, Brad, the best whiskey that we've had on this podcast you know, it's it's neck Never. and neck with that Glenmorangie that we had. But this year, they have released the second series of their Fusion and their Discovery. Now, Bartstown is essentially known for the process that they're putting forth. They're making their own whiskey now, and each year they're putting away more and more of it. And what they have their master distiller, Steve Nally, doing right now is essentially creating these really artful blends where they're bringing in other aged product and they're blending it in with their product. And so each year, as they get more and more of their own whiskey, you know, kind of put away, then they're going to incrementally increase how much of their own stuff is going into these bottles. The Fusion series comes in at 98.9 uh, proof. The Discovery series comes in at 122.2 proof. And then we were actually fortunate enough to get sent a sample of one of their other more recent uh, finished products, which is called The Prisoner. This is bourbon whiskey that has been finished in The Prisoner French Oak Red Wine Barrels. This clocks in at 100 proof. So as we go through this bracket, we're going to be sampling all three of these kinds of whiskey. Brad, I'm very excited. Bartstown is, is just one of my favorite companies. I cannot wait to try it. But we have a task before us, sir. So what do you say we dive into this bracket and knock some movies out of existence. I am excited to dash your hopes and dreams, Bob. All right, so starting in quadrant number one, in the upper left part of the bracket, if you're following along with our bracket, we have Saving Private Ryan, the number one overall seed, up against When Harry Met Sally, the number eight overall seed. There, I have a lot of thoughts. I mean, Saving Private Ryan, it's one of the best war movies ever created. You have a lot of history there as far as like moving forward the genre of war films. I think that you have a masterful performance from Hanks and a few other supporting members of the cast. Um, but then you have Harry When Harry Met Sally, which is probably, in my opinion, the greatest rom-com ever created. Uh, and I think it might be easy to dismiss rom-com as a genre uh, because there has been a lot of swill, if you will, that has been made over the years. But 
man, when Harry Met Sally isn't just a rom-com, it's a beautiful movie. And so for me, I, this was actually one of the hardest decisions I had to make um, because you have two titans of their genre. So I, I'm really uh, I'm really nervous to put forward my pick, Bob, but I'm curious what you had to think. Well, Brad, I think I'm in a similar position as you. When Harry Met Sally is a movie that has continued to grow on me since we watched it for the podcast. But at the end of the day, with with almost every pick in this bracket, when it came up against Saving Private Ryan, I just have have never been blown away by a movie the way I was with Saving Private Ryan this time around. I thought I knew every moment, every beat of that film. And it turns out I didn't. And I was just renewed and refreshed in my appreciation for that film, I had to pick Saving Private Ryan to go forward in this bracket. Yeah, Bob, and and I can't blame you for that pick, but I am going to pick against you. When Harry Met Sally just has so many beautiful story beats, I think it might be one of the best paced movies I've ever seen. I I just really love that movie. And like you said, it's been growing on me since I watched it. I'm actually going to pick it to advance past Saving Private Ryan here. Wow. Wow, Brad, this would be a significant upset, which means it is time for the Coin of Destiny to make its first appearance on this episode, and it's with the very first matchup. Saving Private Ryan is heads, and when Harry met Sally is tails, let's flip that coin. Robert. Bradley. I believe your bracket has been busted. Oh my gosh. Brad, I'm actually really surprised that you picked When Harry Met Sally to move on over Saving Private Ryan. Like I said, this was the number one overall seed. This is the movie that we both gave tense to. I think the only film this season that we both gave tense to. And while I'm not knocking you for appreciating When Harry Met Sally, I am really fascinated by the fact that you picked it to move forward. Yeah, Bob, I I know that I only gave it a nine when I watched it. But honestly, a, a big part of this bracket for me is... You know, is this a movie I would want to rewatch? Is this a movie that I would enjoy, you know, over and over again? And I think when Harry Met Sally just fits the bill, it's a fun, interesting, engaging movie that I really, really love. And I kind of had to pick it over Saving Private Ryan. All right, Brad. Well, that means my bracket is officially busted because Saving Private Ryan won my season two bracket. So that means that both of the films that you and I picked to win the bracket have been completely eliminated. So I think that's going to make for some really interesting picks moving forward when Harry Met Sally is officially in the final four. And that takes us to the second matchup on the left side of the bracket, the number four overall seed, the sixth sense, up against the number five overall seed, Django Unchained. Brad, you have been stumping for the sixth sense pretty hardcore since we watched that movie. It's a movie that I really appreciate, but I think even in the last episode, I expressed that I'm kind of surprised it made it this far. I think that the seeding definitely helped it to this point, but at least for me in this bracket, it does not stand a chance up against Django Unchained, my favorite Quentin Tarantino film, a movie that I think, you know, has has as much or maybe more to say on an emotional level as The Sixth Sense, which, you know, was a great emotional film. But I think Django is Quentin Tarantino's most mature movie as a director, as a screenwriter. I, I love it very dearly. And for me, it's moving on to the final four kind of easily over The Sixth Sense. Bob, I have a feeling that we are going to flip a coin on all four oh my of gosh, our dude. of our elite eight. You here. picked the sixth sense here. I did, Bob. Interesting. I, I love I love Django Unchained. Don't get me wrong. Like honestly, when I look at all the movies on here, I am happy with seven out of the eight. You know, obviously, I wanted Empire Strikes Back to move on, but I really love all all eight of these movies. Um, but there's just something about the sixth sense that I I just. I think it's a better movie than people give it credit for. I think it has a lot going on for it in the relationship between uh, Haley Joel Osment and his mother and the way Bruce Willis carries himself. I, I think there's so much going on for it. And once again, it's the movie that I think sticks with me a lot more than Django Unchained. Well, Brad, I don't know what more there is to say. We are at odds yet again. I picked Django to move forward. You've picked The Sixth Sense. And that means that it is time for the coin of destiny to make the decision for us. Sixth Sense will be heads, Django Unchained will be tails. Brad, flip that coin. Who, Robert. The Sixth Sense is moving on. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> I don't trust you one bit. 
<laughs> I need video. Dude, I'm telling you, man. This is uh This is this, this is, is shocking. Uh, this is shocking. The the sixth sense is moving on. I I I personally would put the movies on a similar uh, level as far as quality goes. I, I don't think Django Unchained is, is far and above the better movie. Um, and I just I just think that Sixth Sense has so much going for it. It had to go on for me. I, Brad, I'm starting to get angry. I did not foresee <laughs> this going this way. This bracket is not shaking out the way my you thought bra- it would. My huh? bracket is shot. And I think that <laughs> means that it is time for us to drink some whiskey, Brad. I, I need a drink at this point. So what do you say we crack open this Bardstown Fusion Series 2? Yeah, let's get to it, Bob. All right, so the first Bardstown whiskey that we are trying today is their Fusion Series Number 2. Now, on their website, it says that it is a blend of 60% of Bardstown Bourbon Company's three-year-old weeded high-rye bourbons, along with 40% of 12-year bourbon uh, that they blend in with it. This expression of their Fusion Series clocks in at 98.9 proof. Brad, last time around, I remember that we really liked the Fusion but we thought that the Discovery had more of a punch, especially for the price that they're charging for it. Because Bardstown is, I guess I would call it almost like a boutique kind of uh, seller. It's very high-end whiskey, uh, and the price tag reflects that. This time around, I'm really interested to see if uh, if their Fusion series has caught up to the Discovery. Do you remember much about the the first go-round, Brad? Uh, not a not a ton, Bob. We we drink you know a few whiskeys here on this this uh, podcast. But I, I think that from what I remember, the fusion just needed a little bit more oomph to it, um, which is a little bit crazy to say because it, you know, it does clock in at a decently high proof. You know, anytime you get above ninety-five, you're starting to get up there. Mm. Um, but yeah, it just needed a little more punch to it that it didn't have. Well, Brad, as we move into nosing this, I have to say this thing smells wonderful. I am getting such deep notes on this. It really seems like. Whatever the, you know, the 12 year bourbon that they're cutting this with blended really, really artfully with whatever they're making at Bardstown has produced something fantastic here. I get a lot of peanut butter on this. I get a lot of caramel on this. This is just like and the color on this. I'm really shocked at how much darker this seems to me than the Fusion did even at this point last year. This really bodes well for this product, I think. Yeah, it has a really beautiful, sweet note to it. It doesn't feel artificial in any way. Like like a lot of times with cheaper whiskeys, it almost has like an artificial smell to it. Man, this one just has an amazing note on its nose, and I'm excited to get into drinking it. All right, Brad, what do you say we give it a sip? Ooh. Bob, that's really good. This is nice. This is it, it really almost... nice. This is really smooth, Brad. Yeah, it's super smooth. It's got some nice weedy flavors to it. I Man, I am impressed with this. Yeah, I am too. I think that the sort of weeded bourbon notes come out on the taste on the palate and the rye spice really picks up on the finish. I think the finish gets a little bit bitter, a little bit oaky, and you get quite a bit of that grain spice along with it. But I think it's a really, really smooth transition. This is, this might be, you know... Except for their experimental runs, their collaborative runs, Brad. I think this might be the best we've had from Bardstown yet when it comes to their fusion and discovery series. Yeah, they've they've really stepped up their game. Um, you know, like we said last year, it just lacked a little punch. It has it now. I, I I don't know if they just added a little bit more rye, but I think you're right, Bob. That little bit of rye finish that gets a little oaky, a little bit of spice on the back end, it complements that sweet start so beautifully. Absolutely. Well, Brad, we are off to a good start with these Bardstown whiskeys. What do you say we get back into our bracket challenge? Okay, so we are getting back into our bracket challenge. We're moving to the upper right quadrant where we have the number two overall seed, Do the Right Thing, up against the number seven overall seed, Birdman. Birdman is a movie, Brad, that I put on my best of the decade list. I think it's a fantastic movie. This time around, I think I noticed the flaws in it just a little bit more, but it's a movie that I think I gave a nine to and you gave a nine and a half to something in that ballpark. It was a super well-received movie by both of us. I think it's groundbreaking. I think it's innovative. I'm shocked that it won Best Picture, but I'm happy that it did. But for me, Brad, it does not stand up against Do the Right Thing. I think when you look at cultural impact, when you look at uh, just the, the absolute sucker punch of an emotional ending that that movie had. 
when you look at the conversation that movie sparked, even within our own podcast, Brad, I think that was one of my favorite episodes we've ever done. I have to pick Do the Right Thing over Birdman. And for me, um, it, it's not even that hard of a challenge to move it up. Bob, I, I love Do the Right Thing. Um, I, I think I gave both of these movies a nine and a half. I will say, as much as I love Do the Right Thing, there's there's so much wandering around in the early parts of the film that for me, like, it, it's one of those movies where I can tell it's going somewhere and I can tell that, like, yeah, sure, there's going to be a purpose to this. But I, I did struggle in the first hour of that movie because you, you don't really have a sense much of a sense of purpose. You're you're just kind of getting to know this neighborhood. And as much as I think that's beautiful cinema and I think it's well done, I, I think that the artful techniques used in Birdman uh, just, just kind of outshine do the right thing. I, I think the cinematography is better. I, I think that um, the story is more interesting throughout the entire movie. And, and so for me, I, it was a hard decision. I, I really love do the right thing, but I am going to advance Birdman on. So here's the thing, Brad, when it comes down to movies that we love both of them, you know, you'd think that that's where we wouldn't feel quite as passionate about what moves on and what doesn't. But I feel like, (laughs) you know, gun to your head, this is where the arguments actually get the most intense because I'm like, I love Do the Right Thing. I love Birdman. And I'm like, I can't believe that you would move Birdman on over Do the Right Thing. You know, if I was going to get nitpicky with you, I would say if your complaint would do the right thing is about wandering around for too long. That's essentially what the whole movie of Birdman is. I mean, it's just like one long shot following a guy walking around backstage at a theater. I do love both of these movies. But for me, I don't think I'm going to budge on my pick and I don't think you're going to budge on your pick. So that means it is time for the third straight coin of destiny flip to move on to the final four. Brad Do the right thing will be heads. Birdman will be tails. Brad, flip that coin. Bob, heads wins it. Do the right thing is moving on to the final four. All right. So we have three of our four final four picks locked in now, which takes us to the last matchup in this round of eight. We have the number three overall seed, The Dark Knight up against the number 11 overall seed, The Revenant. Brad, that means that we had two Alejandro Gonzalez Iñárritu films in our Elite Eight. We have just eliminated one of them. And I am sorry to say, but I think the other one will be eliminated here shortly as well. When I'm stacking up The Revenant, which, you know, is the controversial entry into the Elite Eight here, against a movie like The Dark Knight, I I just think it completely pales in comparison. I think that The flaws become more apparent. The pacing becomes more apparent. The Dark Knight is not only a movie that changed the superhero genre, it is a movie that changed cinema altogether. It is a landmark film. I think people don't give it enough credit for what it did for cinema history. This is a film that should be studied in film studies classes solely for the impact that it had on the movie landscape. But more than that, if I want to be simple about it, Brad, I just think it's a better movie. Yeah, Bob, th- this was an easy pick for me uh, once once Empire got eliminated. I think The Dark Knight has one to two kind of major flaws um, that we talked about in the episode, if you want to go back and look at it. But uh, yeah, the, the Dark Knight is clearly the better movie here. Like you said, the, the Dark Knight is a landmark of cinema, the, the effects of which just rippled throughout the cinematic universe. So yeah, the, the Dark Knight is an easy pick over The Revenant. Well, that was much easier to get through. So that means that we have our final four locked in and upsets galore happened on one side of the bracket. We have the number eight overall seed when Harry met Sally advancing over the number one seed, saving Private Ryan. The four seed, the sixth sense, took out Django Unchained to earn a spot. The number two seed, do the right thing, eliminated Birdman. And the Dark Knight, our number three seed, took out The Revenant. Let's press pause here. Let's try our second Bardstown Bourbon Company, the Discovery Series. What do you say? All right, so the second whiskey in our lineup of Bardstown Bourbon Company is their Discovery Series number two. Reading directly from their website here, Brad, it says, The unifying concept in Discovery Series 2 is a 12-year Kentucky bourbon combined with light accents of older and younger bourbons. Now, none of the whiskeys in the Discovery series are actually from Bardstown Bourbon Company. This is a completely blended product uh, from sourced whiskey. 
But that does not mean that it's not good whiskey, because as we know, a master blender has just as much legitimacy and can create just as good of a product as a really good master distiller. And I think that's what Bardstown has been doing here. The Discovery Series number one, Brad, I actually held back a little bit of that from last year, and I tried it side by side with this Discovery 2. I'm really interested to hear what your initial impressions of this Discovery 2 are. Uh, I'm going to be kind of comparing back and forth between the two and give some notes on how I think it's it's evolved since last year. But Brad, what are you picking up on the nose of this Discovery Series 2? Bob, I I can't put my finger on it. There's something deep about this whiskey, but I'm really struggling to pinpoint the exact uh, you know aroma that my nose is picking up on. The interesting thing about this is that I think it smells brighter than the Fusion did. It, it's definitely, it has a lighter kind of uh, more fruity, more floral scent to it than the Fusion did. It's also way more alcohol forward on the nose. And that's to be expected with a 122.2 proof product. However, I will say that I tried the old stuff and this back to back and they tasted drastically different. So, but yeah, you're right, Brad. I get a lot of vanilla on this, but it is definitely a brighter smelling whiskey than the Fusion was. Yeah, the longer I nose it, the more I do think I'm getting some nice, uh, almost lemony type of scent. There, there's some floral stuff going on. Um, I, I'm really excited to get into it, though. Well, let's give it a sip, Brad. Oh, wow. That's that's really good, Bob. Yeah, this is this is interesting. Yeah, I, the the nose kind of betrayed me a little bit because I am getting some beautiful caramel notes on this. The the first thing I wrote down in my notes about this bread was just sweet heat. It's almost like a honey sweet on the very front, the tip of my tongue. Uh, on the finish, I get like some apple, I get some orange, you know, nice citrus notes. It does have a really sort of delicate floral touch to it, I think, on the finish as well. And then I had this fruit note that I couldn't quite place, and I was like, maybe it's apple, and I just I'm not I'm not catching it, but. Then the other day we bought a pineapple and I was eating pineapple and had a sip of this whiskey like an hour later. And I was like, that's what it is. I get this really interesting, almost tropical fruit note on this that I was definitely not expecting at all. I really love the taste of this, Brad. Yeah. And I think that the uh, tropical note was the note I was trying to pick up on my nose. There was something sweet, but flowery. And I think pineapple really does capture that note beautifully. I will say, Brad, on the finish, um, I, I'm not a huge fan of the finish. It's it's just straight alcohol for me, and it's a really, really hard Kentucky hug going down. I think that a couple drops of water to dilute this actually helped the finish a lot. It really opened up some of those. It left the oils on my palate, but it washed away a lot of that alcohol. That made for a better experience. But again, I like to drink my whiskeys neat. I don't typically like to add a couple drops of water. And when I have to do that to make the finish more palatable... I am going to dock it a couple points. Yeah, Bob, it, it soured a tiny bit, not very much. Um, and, and at this point, I'm just nitpicking. That would knock off a few points. But man, this is a really good whiskey. I love, I continue to love what they are doing down at Bardstown Bourbon Company. Holy cow, they, they just put out such good product. So here's the thing. If we, if we were going to be comparing from Discovery 1 to Discovery 2, here's the note that I took down. I tried the Discovery one again. It is thinner than this. It's more aggressive. The alcohol is more present like immediately on Discovery one. And it also lacks the the sort of depth of interesting fruit notes that this one has. However, even though it's a thinner and what I would call kind of inferior product on the taste, I think it's more consistent all the way through. So it's very interesting. I think for me, the finish on this dropped off quite a bit from where the nose and the taste were. So if if you're looking to get a bottle of Discovery Series 2, I will say this. It has a it's it's much more rich, it's much more complex. It has some really lovely fruit notes on it. I do think that it's probably less consistent from start to finish than the Discovery Series 1 was. Yeah, Bob, there there's just a certain beauty to this Discovery Series 2 that I I'm not passing up. The alcohol burn didn't bother me that much. I really do think that 120, 122 proof is just the right spot. Um, for the more barrel-proof type whiskeys. Mm -hmm. I'm really enjoying this Discovery series too. Yeah, I like this a lot, Brad. If you had to pick between the Fusion and the Discovery, they, they are, they're wildly different products, I have to say. It's not just like the, the Discovery is the barrel-proof version of Fusion. They are, I mean, it's like two ends of the spectrum. On the one end, you have the rich, dark, caramely notes in the Fusion. In this one, you have these bright, floral, fruity notes. And... 
it's hard for me to pick which one I would prefer. But Brad, if you know, if they sent us two bottles and you had to take one and I had to take one, which one are you taking home with you? I think I'm taking the Discovery series, Bob. I, I, I like that one a lot. The alcohol burn doesn't bother me on the finish. Um, I'm a big, big fan of those kind of pineapple-y floral notes. I, I think I would definitely take that bottle home. Well, that's good because I think I would take the Fusion home. It's lower proof, but I think that there's just something about that rich, deep, dark complexity that it has. I am incredibly impressed with what Bardstown continues to put out. But Brad, we have more work to do. Let's get back into the final four in our bracket challenge. Let's get to it. All right, so we are moving into the final four. And on the left side of the bracket, the two remaining movies are number eight, When Harry Met Sally, up against the number four seed, The Sixth Sense. Brad, for me, uh, since I had neither of these movies in the final four on my bracket, This is a movie that I'm just kind of going with my initial gut instinct and my heart. And I think you might know where I'm going with this. I I just don't think I can pick The Sixth Sense to go into the championship round. It's a movie that I think has really benefited from its seeding so far. I'm a little upset that it beat Django. I think Django is the clearly superior movie. And I think that if we are picking something that, that deserves to go into the championship round, I think it deserves to be When Harry Met Sally. One of the smartest, wittiest scripts we've ever seen. A hilarious movie, great performances from Billy Crystal and Meg Ryan. I think when Harry Met Sally is going to get the nod for me. Bob, I honestly, in all of this, I'm just trying to pull you out of your intellectual ivory tower and get you to just feel your heart and and see where it takes you. And in this moment, Bob, you should never have felt more alive because you chose the right movie. When Harry Met Sally... (laughs) is just a beautiful film. It has so much going for it. Like you said, the script in this movie is so tightly wound. It's so funny. It advances you through the plot at just the right pace at every moment. I absolutely love When Harry Met Sally, and I'm so glad that you chose it with me to move on to the championship match. Well, Brad, before we get to that championship match, before we find out what When Harry Met Sally will be facing off against, I want to do something kind of fun here. I want to count down our top five whiskeys from this season. We've been drinking some great whiskey today, but over the course of the last 32 weeks, we've had some really, really quality whiskey. And I think, Brad, you might be surprised to hear what our top five whiskeys by score were this season. Yeah, Bob, last season, I, I think it was no surprise to us that the Glenmorangie Quinta Rubin came out on top. We we absolutely love that stuff. Um, But this year, I I don't know if there's a specific whiskey that stands out to me in quite the same way. So I'm really curious to see where we're at on these top five whiskeys. Well, Brad, I'm going to count them down. But just as a reminder, these are some of the whiskeys that we drank this season. We tried Sazerac Rye, also known as Baby Saz, which is a favorite among whiskey drinkers. We had two Red Breasts, both of which cost over $75 a bottle. We tried Knob Creek Single Barrel from our friends at Justin's House of Bourbon. We've had Elijah Craig Barrel Proof. We've had E.H. Taylor. We've had Bullet Barrel Strength. There are some really heavy hitters in this list that actually did not make the cut for our top five. And I think a big part of that is our value score. We really feel strongly that, you know, if you just want the nosing, tasting notes on something, you can listen to our first four categories and get a really good idea for what we think of that whiskey. But we feel very strongly that the average person should know that what they're picking up at the liquor store is a good value. And so sometimes a really good whiskey gets a very poor value score because we feel that it's overpriced. And so that has shaken out to our top five here, Brad, starting with our number five, which is plain old bullet bourbon. Bullet actually came out to a 38 out of 50 or a 76 out of 100. It's just a solid whiskey, man. Dude, bullet bourbon is so, so good. It it is one of the best whiskeys you can get at the price it's at. I, I think it's around 20 to 23 dollars. And when you're in that range, kind of the lower mid tier Bullet Bourbon and Bullet Rye are just such high quality whiskeys. All right, that takes us to our number four highest ranked this season. That was the Cooper's Craft 100. Cooper's Craft is a brand that I had really never heard much about. I was kind of wary about picking it up because nobody that I've seen in our whiskey community has ever really talked about it. It's super widely available. Uh, We actually got in contact with a Cooper's Craft rep who sent us two full bottles of their regular Cooper's Craft and their 100 proof. And we weren't huge fans of the regular Coopers, but that 100 proof just knocked us off our socks. I couldn't believe 
such a good whiskey has flown so far under the radar. And when we found out that it was less than $30, I think that's what really put it over the edge for us, Brad. It came out to a 38.25 out of 50, or a 76 and a half out of 100. Yeah, that that's that's interesting to me. I, I had forgotten about Cooper's Craft a little bit, but I do remember that it was just such a solid... Uh, it was a whiskey's whiskey. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like it just it just had the classic notes and it hit on all of the the things that I'm looking for. It checked all the boxes. I, I'm a big fan of Cooper's Craft 100 and I, I would recommend it to anyone who's out there. And like you said, Bob, it's widely distributed. Go get yourself a bottle. Yeah, I really want to hear what people think of that Cooper's Craft 100. That takes us to our number three top whiskey, which is Rebel Yell. Not even Rebel Yell 10-year or Rebel Yell 100-proof. It's just the regular old Rebel Yell. I gave that whiskey a 39 out of 50. Brad gave it a 38.5 for an average of 38.75. This was just a solid pour. And Brad, you picked it up. I think you paid, what, like $17 for it? Yeah, Bob, this was a cheap bottle of whiskey that just had a unique, sweet flavor that really entranced both of us. I remember the predominant note that we got off of that one being cherry cola, which is something that I have never picked up before or since on a whiskey. It was super unique. And the day we tried it, it just really impressed me. So Rebel Yell, number three on our list, which takes us to number two. This is a just an incredibly solid pour, one of the most famous whiskeys in the world. I am talking about Jameson Irish Whiskey. Brad gave that a 41. I gave it a 39 for an average of a 40 or an 80 out of 100. Value definitely helped this. This is a bottle of whiskey that I think will cost you somewhere between $20 and $24 um, for something that is so widely distributed. Brad, I was shocked at the quality of this. Yeah, Bob, I this is still one of my absolute favorite whiskeys. You know, I, I've had it since I was younger. It's a whiskey that has stuck with me as just being bright and beautiful. There, there's so much going on for it, and I understand why it's so widely distributed, why it is so easily consumed by such a large portion of the population. It is some daggone good stuff. And I give it a Brad stamp of approval. I mean, we had two red breasts this season. The red breast 15, I think, in the state of Ohio costs like $120. So essentially, you could get five bottles of Jameson for the price of one red breast 15. And for me, it's it's no question. I mean, when when you're taking value into account, Jameson is one of the best, you know, bang for your buck whiskeys that you can possibly get. And then Brad, our number one whiskey, which is in a league of its own, uh, something that I don't know it will ever be touched again on this podcast and that is the Glenmorangie Quinta Rubin 14. Now, Glenmorangie Quinta Rubin 12 won our season one whiskey matchup. And so this year we tried the 14-year expression. They just released it. We figured we might as well follow up a good thing with a good thing. And this is even better than the 12-year. Yeah, Bob, I, I think the Glenmorangie uh, brand is just so widely uh, available and it's 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 featured prominently in our bracket. You know, last last season we also had the Glenmorangie La Santa in our top five, mm-hmm. they just make such, such high quality whiskey. I, I am blown away by what they do. And the Quinta Rubin is just spectacular. Honestly, my my brother just got married. And guess what bottle I was buying him as a wedding present? Yeah. I, you, you, and especially when you think about value, Brad, I can't think of a scotch that we've had that cost. This is like in, in the lower tier for scotch. It's a $50 bottle of whiskey. I can't think of a scotch. I can't think of a whiskey that I would rather get someone for $50 than the Quinta Rubin 14. It came out to a 45.5 average from us or a 91 out of 100. And Brad, I think it's going to take something just wildly spectacular to ever top this one. Bob, I am just honestly, this might have been one of my favorite parts of this episode was just going through and thinking about these whiskeys that we've tried. And I, I love that we don't have, you know, just five bottles of whiskey that cost $80 or more. The fact that we have a, a bottle of whiskey that costs $17 in our top five, it, it might be saying something about us. And if you're a whiskey snob and love your expensive whiskeys, that's great because I love them too. But uh, I am more than okay with the fact that we have Rebel Yell and Jameson in our top five. Like that that honestly makes me pretty happy. Yeah. But in the end, this is the film and whiskey podcast. And I think we need to get back into our bracket to decide who is going to face when Harry met Sally in the championship. Let's finalize this championship matchup. We have number two, Do the Right Thing, up against the number three seed, The Dark Knight. Brad, when I think about these two movies, I mean, it's like splitting hairs for me. 
I do think that the ending of The Dark Knight is something that we spent a lot of time talking about how it just it kind of falls apart. It kind of wrecks the tension of the movie with this forced subplot of surveillance and, and the sort of Patriot Act things they were trying to sneak in there. Do the right thing. I hear your point about the first hour of the movie and the sort of meandering nature. To me, it felt more like a stage play where you were really getting to know the people on this block. And then the ending of the movie happens. And I think that what I'm ultimately left with with both of these films, I think Do the Right Thing has to move on for me. And part of it may just be my, you know, like you just said, movie snob nature that I don't know if I want The Dark Knight winning our bracket, Brad, if I'm being honest with you, because to the outside person, a superhero movie, we're going to look like chads. You know what I mean? But if I'm being 100% honest, Brad, I really do think Do the Right Thing is just a better movie than The Dark Knight. Yeah, Bob, it, it's hard for me to say that because I I really do think that, like you said, if they hadn't flubbed on the final 20, 30 minutes of The Dark Knight, I think it might be one of the best movies ever made. Yeah, I mean, and I don't, I don't even think that it was the full 30 minutes. It was just that one subplot. Like the stuff with the Joker at the end is and Two-Face is still great. Yeah, no, it, it really is. And, and And so when you take that into account that Nolan just missed that one beat in the movie... I do think that Do the Right Thing deserves to go on. Um, I, I love The Dark Knight, and I love what Heath Ledger gave us in The Joker. I, I love what Christian Bale does as the Batman. Um, it's just really hard to pass on Do the Right Thing. You know, there, there is so much going on in that movie that's beautiful. And like you said, it, it, is, it is a sense of a stage play. Um, it, it almost makes me think about seeing something like Fences with uh, Denzel, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that there's just a beauty to the story that I, I think I liked Birdman better than it, but I do like Do the Right Thing better than The Dark Knight. I think that's fair, Brad. And that means that we have our championship matchup set, one that neither of us could have predicted happening. The number eight seed when Harry met Sally squaring off against the number two seed, Do the Right Thing. And Brad, not to pull a Ryan Seacrest on us here. But we will find out who wins that matchup after the break, because we have to try our last Bardstown Bourbon Company product, The Prisoner. Okay, so we're going to try our last Bardstown product for today, The Prisoner. As Bardstown describes it on their own materials, this is a nine-year-old Tennessee bourbon. So it's a sourced whiskey that they're using here. They finish it in barrels from The Prisoner Wine Company's uh, French oak red wine barrels, they actually finish it for 18 months to soak up some of that great, lovely, you know, tannic nature that the wine has. Brad, this is pretty much the same process they used for the Pfeiffer Pavit Reserve, which remains maybe my favorite whiskey we've ever drank. I have to say that unfairly, I sampled every one of these three samples up against its predecessor. So I tried Fusion 2 with Fusion 1, Discovery 2 with Discovery 1, and for the Prisoner, I matched it up against the Pfeiffer Pavit Reserve. And Brad, that was a mistake. The Pfeiffer Pavit clocked in at, I think, like 120 proof. This one's 100 proof. So it was very noticeably thinner for me. And I'm going to be honest here, Brad, and say that I just don't think it's as good as the Pfeiffer Pavit. Now, we're still going to give our, our nosing, tasting notes on this. It's, it's a little unfair for me to compare it to the best whiskey we've ever had. But I will say right off the top here, if you have had the Pfeiffer Pavit Reserve, this is a very different whiskey than that. And, and that's okay. Yeah. Like you said, Bob, it, it's hard when you put it right up against it, especially when you move from 120 proof down to 100. You know, there there is a lot of viscosity change there. You you see it become more thin. And sometimes the flavor suffers with that. It doesn't always. Um, but I haven't tried this yet. And honestly, as I nose the, the prisonnier, it has some cherry notes to it that I haven't smelt in many whiskeys before. I, I feel like it has some nice, deep red cherry notes to it. And, and I'm kind of enjoying that. Yeah, I think while some of the wine finished whiskeys that we've had, you know, like the La Santa, for example, really carries some of that sour grape with it. This really has the sweetness of a, of a red wine that comes with it. I do want to say that I'm not really picking up very much on the nose. It's a it kind of has a flat nose, if I can describe it that way. Like, I can tell it's a whiskey, I can tell that it has something going on there, but it just doesn't really pack the punch on the nose that the other two whiskeys that we had, had on them. Yeah, I would agree with you, Bob. Outside of that that nice, light, cherry, uh, you know, note that's coming to my aroma, I'm struggling to pick up much of anything, um, but I'm curious to see what the taste brings forth. All right, let's give it a sip, Brad. Huh. 
That that's interesting. I'm I'm getting that cherry. It's definitely. I actually don't mind the proof. I I kind of like it being at a hundred proof. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's not as much flavor going on there as I thought there would be. There's really not. And if I'm being honest, Brad, the first note that I took on the the taste on this was briny. It has a, an almost saline kind of uh, character to it, which I wasn't expecting. Um, you know, sometimes you get that note in some wines, but it really carried forth on this. I, I didn't get the sweetness up front that I was expecting. You do get some of those, you know, berry, cherry kind of notes on it, but they don't carry forward in a way that's really sweet. It's almost like you get a hint of it, like an essence <laughs> of cherry or whatever. But I don't get a ton of sweetness on this, Brad. It, it has almost a a more saline forward taste to me. Yeah. You know what, Bob? I, I'm going to start defending this whiskey, though. I, I do agree with you that there's not quite as much going on as I had hoped. But I think the word that is sticking out to me is pleasant. Mm-hmm. This is a really pleasant whiskey. Mm-hmm. It's not overpowering. It has the essence of cherry to it, but it's not an overpowering cherry. I, I actually think this whiskey, like you said, it's vastly different than the Pfeiffer Pabot. The Pfeiffer Pabot just packs a punch. Yeah. It is a beautiful whiskey that you can just savor, you know, for minutes after you've drank it. This is not that. This is more of a sipping whiskey. For sure. I, I, I might call it a gentleman's whiskey of, you know, there's just that nice flavor to it. That doesn't overpower you. I, I'm a big fan. Now, I will say, Brad, in order to defend this whiskey, uh, the finish is where this really shines for me. I think that it absolutely, the flavor just explodes when you go to swallow it. There's not much on the tongue, but when I went to swallow it, it was like it turned into just pure butterscotch for me. And that was really, really great. The The lasting finish of this whiskey is by far the best part of it. So I, I do think this is a good whiskey and I would recommend it. The problem, Brad, for me is that the price point that it's at would would really give me pause for recommending people to buy a bottle of it. The Fusion retails for about $60. The Discovery retails for $130. Uh, this one retails for $125. So we're talking the exact same price as the Discovery, and both of them are twice as expensive as the Fusion. With that in mind, Brad, what would your final notes on this be? Earlier, you said that, that Bardstown is really a boutique distillery. And and I think that things like Pfeiffer Pavit and the things like this prisoner, these are the whiskeys that make it a boutique whiskey shop. So I'm going to say this. If you have the money to spend and you just like really good, unique whiskeys, go for it. I, I think that the prisoner is a whiskey worth consuming. Uh, but if you are a little bit more of a budget person and you're looking to spend over $100 on one really special whiskey, I don't think that this would be the one I would recommend you to. Yeah, I agree with that. I would steer people towards the Pfeiffer Pavit over this. But I will say that of the three that we had, the Fusion and the Discovery are are a, a no-brainer recommendation for me. Yeah, Bob, I, I think with the Discovery series, you're not going to get the most unique whiskey that you'll get at 130 However, you will get one of the best whiskeys you'll ever have for $130. I, I'm a big fan of it. And once again, Bardstown Bourbon Company is just amazing. I cannot say it enough. Go check them out. Take a tour. Eat at their restaurant that is spectacular. Um, and honestly, if you don't like whiskey, but you know your partner does or or who might, you know, your friends want to go check it out, go with them because they have wine, they have tequila, they have all sorts of other liquor for you at their restaurant so that you can enjoy yourself as well. The, the place is just spectacular. Honestly, I feel like they need to hire me. Uh, I, I would be a great salesman for Bardstown Bourbon Company. I know. We've been literally, we've been plugging them on this podcast for a year and a half now, Brad. They don't have an Ohio rep yet. We need to get them to ha- to hire us. I think we, we're basically doing their work for them right now. I might be emailing our friend Dan uh, at Bardstown because that honestly is a great idea. All right, Brad, we have a championship matchup to decide, though. So let's get back into the mindset of eliminating some movies and let's crown the winner of our season two bracket. So here it is, folks, the championship matchup in our season two bracket. The number eight seed when Harry met Sally up against the number two seed do the right thing. I only have one thing I really want to say before we do this, Brad, and that is, you know, I know we joke about destroying movies and throwing them into the fiery furnace, and that helps us pick which one moves on. I will say this. um, We know that's not the case in real life. I also want to say, I think both of us would agree that Do the Right Thing 
is the more quote unquote important film in this matchup. This is the kind of movie that I, I would put on par with like a Schindler's List. It's a movie that I think everybody should see. It's a movie that I think everybody should grapple with. I will also say that does not necessarily mean we have to crown it the winner of this bracket. When Harry Met Sally is equally as innovative, as pivotal, as important to the history of movies as Do the Right Thing. And just because one of them comes from a genre that we give more, you know, merit to doesn't mean that it automatically wins our bracket. These are both movies that are worth talking about, that are worth dissecting, that are worth analyzing. And whichever one wins this bracket, it's an important film. Yeah, Bob, I really appreciate you saying that because there is a struggle of, and and I don't mean this facetiously in any way, I, but I, I think there is a struggle of like, well, the, the film about race relations in the U.S. has to win. Mm-hmm. If that's a thought that you have, I, I wouldn't necessarily say that you're wrong in that. I, I think Do the Right Thing, like you said, it is an important film that people need to be struggling with. They need to be struggling with you know, the shadow side of their own heart and their own lives. But but in the end, you know, these are two movies that really changed the genres that they're in. They changed cinema. Um, I think Do the Right Thing deserves more attention than it has gotten over the years. Um, but I also think that When Harry Met Sally is just a purely brilliant movie mm-hmm. that, that I really, really love. And I, I'm interested, I just realized... This is an all 1989 movie matchup wow. for our championship. After all the crap we talked about the 80s, we have two 80s films in our in our championship. I, trust trust me, Bob. It, it kind of galls my soul a little bit to know that because I I might be the most outspoken disadvocate. I, I don't even know the word I'm looking for for the 80s. I think it is a trash decade. We're we're and aware. I, we're aware, Brad. It's okay. I, I Calm just, down, man. But I will say. It did give us When Harry Met Sally, and I absolutely love that movie, and it gave us Do the Right Thing, and I love that movie. So you know what? I, you know, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll eat my humble pie. The 80s did give us two spectacular movies. So here's the choice we're left with, Brad. You know, if we are using our criteria of one gets destroyed, I think that kind of maybe unfairly favors or prefers Do the Right Thing because of that capital I importance factor. You know, it does seem like in in the scheme of things, if you're holding these two movies up next to each other in terms of importance and and cultural relevance and things like that, that When Harry Met Sally seems more trivial. The problem with that is that I think When Harry Met Sally might have one of the most perfect scripts we've ever seen on this podcast. I mean, alongside Casablanca, I don't know if we've had another script that is as well paced, as witty, as funny, that moves uh, at such a breakneck speed and that every scene is just pitch perfect as this one. And and I honestly what? think that it's probably a better script than Do the Right Thing. Bob, what what movie are you talking about? I, I've never heard of that. Ka, ka- Shut up, Brad. <laughs> Shut up, Brad. With, with all that said, we have to pick. And I want to hear, Brad, what is your pick to win the season two bracket challenge? Bob, I, I think you might have seen this coming, but when Harry Met Sally was my uh, runner up to Empire Strikes Back um, in my original bracket, and I honestly am going to choose it to win our season two bracket. I, like you said, we, we've talked about it a lot throughout the show already. It has one of the most perfect scripts I've ever seen. When I think about the scene when Jesse and Harry are, are at the New York uh, Giants football game and they're doing the wave around the stadium and they, they are having this conversation. And every time the wave reaches them, you get a punchline from Harry or from Jesse. And it's just it's one of the most perfectly written scenes I've ever seen. You know, when you when you see uh, when when Harry and Sally run into each other at the bookstore and Carrie Fisher tells her to go off and talk to him. And then when Sally turns back to Carrie Fisher and Carrie Fisher's just down the stairs waving goodbye, like the physical comedy in this movie is so, so funny. There's so many things going on. I I love this movie and I'm going to choose it to move on. Brad, I can't fault you for anything you said. This is this is hard, man. And honestly, I think, you know, in the mood that I'm in today, I would pick when Harry met Sally. However, over the course of my whole movie watching history, Do the Right Thing has been such an important film to me. Um, it actually was my runner up in my bracket. It lost to Saving Private Ryan. And because of that, I think I am going to nominate Do the Right Thing to win our bracket. And I think it's only fitting, Brad, because I don't know about you, but if either one of these movies won, I would be 100% okay with that. These are two of the best films we've ever seen on this podcast. 
And I think it's only fitting that it comes down to a coin flip. So for all the marbles here, Brad, when Harry Met Sally will be heads, do the right thing will be tails. How do you feel? If do the right thing wins this, are you going to be upset? I don't think I'll be upset. I think that Do the Right Thing is a movie that deserves to be at the top. Honestly, I think out of all the movies in this bracket, in the whole bracket, I think there's probably three to four that I would say, you know what? If this movie made it to the top, I wouldn't be upset. Yeah. Um, And Do the Right Thing is definitely one of those. Um, For me, Empire Strikes Back is just such a beautiful movie. It has so much going on for it in my heart and in my mind. Uh, but it got eliminated really early on. So so for me, now it's just kind of a, yeah, when Harry Met Sally could win, Saving Private Ryan could win, and Do the Right Thing could win. Th- those are probably the three that I love the most. Bob, are you ready? I'm ready. Uh, when Harry Met Sally's heads, Do the Right Thing's tails. Brad, flip that coin. And the season two champion is... Do the right thing. Do the right thing. Spike Lee's 1989 masterpiece. Brad, I think we can make an exception to our fiery furnace rule here. I think when Harry Met Sally deserves to be preserved and saved from the fiery furnace because both of these movies are just the best of what movies have to offer in terms of entertainment value, in terms of, of uh, you know, speaking truth into the, the culture and the society. You have two movies that couldn't be farther from each other on opposite ends of the spectrum in terms of what they're presenting. But two super important, super entertaining, all around great films. Bob, I will say I am appreciating that you're you're overcoming the loss of Saving Private Ryan to When Harry Met Sally. It seems like you're really uh, understanding where I'm coming from when I picked When Harry Met Sally to make it to the championship. Oh, absolutely. And I think that it's important that we acknowledge people don't give comedies enough credit. And when they're this well done, they deserve to be celebrated, too. So, folks, there you have it. Our champion for season two is Do the Right Thing with the runner-up being When Harry Met Sally, but we want to know what you think. What was your favorite movie in this bracket? What would you pick to be your desert island movie out of these 32? Please get on social media. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, at Film Whiskey. Or you can give us a call. Let your voice be heard on the Film and Whiskey podcast. Which movie would you have picked to win your bracket? Our phone number is 216-800-5923. Once again, that phone number is 216-800-5923. And don't forget, if you do want to leave us a voicemail, but not over the phone, you can go to the show notes of any of our episodes and click to our Anchor site where you can record a message directly from your phone, from your tablet, from your computer, and have it uploaded to the cloud. Brad, this has been such a fun season. I, I'm, I'm kind of sad to close the books on it, but that means that we have season three starting just next week. Our season premiere will be the 2001 Peter Jackson classic, The Lord of the Rings, The Fellowship of the Ring. Bob, do you know what I'm honestly most excited for? Our season 33, when we go back through and watch all of the winners from the previous 32 brackets and make a new bracket in order to determine the the champion of those 32 movies. I'm down, Brad. I'm I'm so glad you're committing to 30 more seasons of this with me. Bob, I'm in. (laughs) For the Film and Whiskey Podcast, I'm Bob Book. I'm Brad G. And we'll see you next time.